Hello, welcome back to MLEX's weekly podcast covering the most significant news in regulatory affairs with the assistance of our team of reporters around the globe. My name is James Paniki, Senior Editor with MLEX's Asia Bureau, and it's great to have your company today. I hope you're well wherever you may be listening. Now, take a guess at what's keeping Japanese lawyers awake at night. No, it's not antitrust rules, it's not data breaches, but supply chains and the growing compliance burden that they're facing as a result of trade tensions between the US and China. In fact, Japanese companies are being caught up in a flurry of trade restrictions. Most recently, Japan has committed itself to restrict exports on key products and resources. These include semiconductors, permanent magnets, robots and even rare earth minerals used in electric car batteries. Yet there's more to it than that, with companies now burdened with navigating the increasingly volatile regulatory requirements from China and the US, as well as Japan itself. Sachiko Sakamaki is an MLEX senior correspondent in Tokyo. She has written a fine piece of analysis about this changing landscape, and she joins us now. So, Sachiko, um, firstly, let's talk about the background here. Tokyo recently disclosed a plan to restrict exports of 23 items that are necessary to make high-end semiconductors. So, remind me firstly why that ban was put in place. What's it all about? Okay. Uh, first of all, Japan was under pressure from the U.S., and U.S. is Japan's security ally and the protector of Japanese defense, as well as Japan's second largest trading partner. And the U.S. and China have been uh, escalating tensions over technological uh, military supremacy. And China has been a security threat to Japan in recent years as well. And so there are growing security concerns over China's access to advanced semiconductors, which have dual applications of military and civil purposes. Uh, Japan also enacted Economic Security Promotion Act last year um, to secure stable supplies of key items, as well as to ensure cyber security of IT systems adopted by utilities and other infrastructure providers, among other things. Okay, so semiconductors are a key to all of this. China is also redefining its own trade relationship with Japan at the same time, right? Yes. In addition to China's own export restrictions, China has rather unique laws to prohibit uh, uh, extraterritorial reach of foreign laws, as well as to block the sanctions imposed by foreign governments. Uh, therefore, Japanese companies, as well as other companies, uh, must uh, be careful, especially when they shut down their uh, factories and operations in China, for example, so as not to violate the Chinese rules in an effort to comply with uh, U.S. rules. Okay, so all of these changes on both sides are leading Japanese companies to review their supply chains. Uh, particularly those companies that are doing business in both China and the US, I suppose. This is quite a significant undertaking, isn't it? Yes, it is, because uh, many Japanese manufacturers have built their global supply chains over the past few decades, optimized mainly by their cost and profit calculations under the blessings of increasing number of free trade agreements. But now the direction is reversed. 
。So they must review and assess new business risks associated with the geopolitical tensions and trade restrictions. Okay, so let's talk about what they're actually doing in, in concrete terms. How are they responding to this、uh, new geopolitical environment? During the、uh, opinion survey among lawyers earlier this year, Economic Security Promotion Act was cited as the number one interest for the Japanese lawyers in terms of how companies have to comply with them. And also, Japan External Trade Organization recently held a webinar on supply chain risks associated with、uh, trade restrictions, and it attracted 1,800 uh, people. And also, during the question and answer session toward the end of the webinar, there are many questions raised. And this is very unusual for a Japanese webinar because they tend to be very、um, quiet and they, it's unusual to hear so many questions, more questions than they could answer, be raised during a webinar. So the situation is clearly of interest to Japanese companies. Uh, managers are clearly taking all of this very seriously. And it is a, a particular problem for Japan, right? Because its dependency on China is more pronounced when compared to other significant economies, both in the region and around the world. So, how serious a problem is that? This、uh, US China tension is an issue for many companies in the European Union. Korea and other regions as well. But uh, uh, partly because of regional proximity to China and long history of trade with China, Japanese manufacturing and、uh, other companies have、uh, very close and interdependent relations with China. And because they have built up their supply chains mainly based in China, then、uh, Southeast Asia and、uh, East Asia. Uh, and also, China, Japanese population is declining. While、uh, Chinese population started declining last year, it still has 10 times more population than the Japanese. So、um, it's rather difficult to totally ignore and completely decoupling from China. It's not a realistic option for many Japanese companies. Yes, indeed. Clearly, decoupling is, is easier said than done.、Uh, compared with other regulatory risks, though, such as, for example, antitrust or data protection, how does this geopolitical risk matter to companies? In what way does it matter? I think the biggest issue is the cost of reviewing the very complex、uh, supply chains and especially rearranging them because、uh, it directly affects their bottom line when they had to pull down, shut down factories and move it back to home market or somewhere else.、Uh, it is a very expensive operation than compared with the compliance with、uh, antitrust or data security privacy risks because those risks can be basically addressed by、uh, talking to lawyers and employing a compliance mechanism and software. Etc. So, in terms of uh, uh, financial cost and also time and efforts to,、uh, that companies have to dedicate, I think it's significantly big. I think that's why this is one of the hardest、uh, compliance agendas for many Japanese companies and beyond. Sachiko, thank you so much for your very insightful analysis of this issue and thank you for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, James.
Sachiko Sakamaki is an MLEX senior reporter based in Tokyo. Her analysis of this issue is fascinating and certainly worth a read. You'll find it at our website, ready to go at mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. When you hit the homepage, you'll see a tab called News Hub. If you click on that, you'll have access to the very best of MLEX's reporting and analysis. There's also an archive of our podcasts. If you want to take a deep audio dive, you can also subscribe to our weekly chat on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify and Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review us if you have the time and inclination. It helps us attract new listeners. Plus our special report from the 2023 Global Privacy Summit of the International Association of Privacy Professionals. Now there's a conference title for you. It's ready for you to download. It's bulging with important information that you can't afford to miss if privacy is your jam. Our data privacy and security team worked tirelessly to put it all together, and I know you'll enjoy reading it. Alas, that's where we'll have to leave things for this week. The podcast was produced and presented by me, James Paniki. The MX marketing team helps us with the uploadery and gets our voices into your headset every week. And our executive producer is Richard Thompson. From everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you for your company. My colleague Laurel Henning will be with you next week. I hope you can join us then. Bye for now.